Welcome to the Chocolate Art Podcast, the podcast about Italian art and culture, the only one that is sweet and attractive as a delicious filled chocolate. My name is Elisa Colangeli and I'll be your host and guide through this fantabulous travel across my country. In this episode, I want to celebrate Easter with all of you, so I will be talking about some Italian traditions for Easter time, especially sweet traditions because we will be talking about Easter eggs and chocolate in general. We will travel to Perugia, which is an amazing historical town in central Italy in the Umbria region. We will discover the story of Baci Perugina, which is a famous Italian small chocolate. Afterwards, we will be able to have um, a trip all across the city and we will discover some important monuments and art museums dedicated to the to the art of the early renaissance hope you're ready to go so fasten your seat belt and come traveling with me who doesn't know or has ever tasted baci perugina they are round irregularly shaped chocolates where gianduja and hazelnut crumbs are covered in delicious dark chocolate and there's a whole hazelnut on the top. Another characteristic of this chocolate, which makes it unique and highlights its romantic nature, also emphasized by the name, which means kiss in Italian, bacio is like kiss, is the presence in every silver wrapped of note translated in several languages. We should say that, like all success stories, also that of Baci Perugina originated by a twist of fate. The idea of such chocolate sprang from the necessity of recycling the hazelnut crumbles obtained in the processing of other confectionery products. It was in the 20s that Perugina launched Cazzotto, so named because its shape vaguely resembled the closed fist. Likely the history of Baci Perugina would not have been the same if the chocolate had kept its original name. Luckily Giovanni Buitoni, chief executive of Perugina, found the idea of, of associating a sweet present with a violent term distasteful and so the product was renamed as Bacio. There is also a legend about the love notes. As for the love notes, there is a sweet legend about them. It seems indeed that the product inventor Luisa Spagnoli fell in love with Giovanni Buitoni and used to send him love notes on little pieces of paper, which then she wrapped around the chocolates that had to be tested. This romantic gesture was the spark for a brilliant idea, which determined the success of Baci Perugina, which are today the love chocolate by definition. Even though Perugina is not an Italian brand anymore, because it is indeed property of the Swiss group Nestlé, it still has its production plants in Italy. In Perugia, it is indeed possible to visit the Casa del Cioccolato Perugina, 
and retrace the history of a project which has become a love myth and, in spite of everything, a symbol of the made in Italy. During its nearly 100 years old history, Baci Perugina was made in several variants, one of which was even with a cherry on top instead of a hazelnut, and with a liquor filling instead of chocolate. Helpless attempts to diversify product which has always been appreciated in its original form. Today on the market, the following variants are available, classic, extra dark, milk, chocolate and white chocolate. There are also pink Baci Perugina in limited edition, recently launched and selling through the roof, especially among millennials. And pink chocolate is obtained not through the use of artificial colorings, but using a special cocoa bean called ruby cocoa bean. The greatest thing about the history of Baci Perugina was that for Luisa Spagnoli and Giovanni Buitoni, business was never solely about making money. The pair looked after their employees in a time when corporate social responsibility was practically inexistent. They terraced housing and a swimming pool were built near the workplace. Dances, football matches and social occasions were regular occurrences and the nursery was opened at the Fontiveggi factory during the First World War so that female employees could bring their children to work while the men were away at war. In 1939, the chocolates set sail to the States, opening a shop to rave reviews in New York's Fifth Avenue. Luisa Spagnoli did not live to see the overseas success of her chocolates. In 1935, at the age of 58, the businesswoman passed away in Paris with throat cancer, Buitoni steadfastly by her side. The enterprise continues to go from strength to strength and in 2018 Baci Perugina were rebranded. Gone are the entwined lovers, replaced with a scattering of gold and white stars topped with a contemporary logo. Perugina is the chocolate factory of the famous Baci Perugina chocolate. It is located in Località San Sisto, about 20 minutes driving from the historical center of Perugia. The factory in Perugia is the home of chocolate, La Casa del Cioccolato, as I have previously said. They have an interesting history and excellent chocolate. You have to know that um, the Luisa Spagnoli business started with a small confetto company, these are small almond sweets with a sugar coating used a lot in Italy at weddings, Holy Communion and other important occasions. Few years later, it was transformed into the big um, chocolate factory that I've previously mentioned. And despite the Great Recession and the birth of fascism in Europe, followed by the Second World War, Perugina became one of the largest chocolate factories in Italy, so mass production was a fact, and still it is. Even if nowadays chocolate isn't a luxury article anymore, but a product for daily consumption, the Perugina Nestlé chocolate factory is immense and the visit is only possible after reservation. The guided tours are in English and Italian. 
They show a film about the history of Ferrugina and one visits the museum with a guide. After the visit to the museum, there is a chocolate testing event. One starts with the dark chocolate, ending with the sweet Gallic white chocolate of Nestlé. It is prohibited to take the chocolates with you, but be aware, do not taste all the chocolates they offer, <laughs> there are too many. The last part of the guided tour is a visit to the factory. For the privacy of the employees, it is absolutely forbidden to take pictures here. Not with your camera, not with a mobile phone. It is impressive to see the mass production of chocolates and all employees wear white clothes and hats for hygiene purposes. After the tour, one can buy chocolate and gadgets in the local store of the museum. So, after having a, a quick tour across the chocolate factory, we are ready to go into the downtown of Perugia. Perugia is one of the Italy's most beautiful and interesting cities with ancient artistic, cultural and historical tradition. Perugia is located in central Italy and is just a two-hour train ride from both Florence and Rome. Perugia is still raised with the historical buildings and monuments of its distant past, like Palazzo dei Priori, its Etruscan and medieval walls, ancient city gates and the remains of the majestic Rocca Paolina. The city hosts several internationally important museums, like the Archaeological Museum with sections dedicated to the prehistorical times, the National Gallery, rich with medieval and Renaissance paintings and sculptures. Perugia has two universities. One is a current university for Italian students, the other one is dedicated to foreign students, and indeed Perugia is one of the most active and rich of life among all university places all across Italy. In fact, the city of Perugia is also a lively modern and innovative cultural center. Every year it is filled with people from all over the world attending events such as the Umbria Jets Festival, the International Journalism Festival and the Euro Chocolate dedicated to the um, chocolate, of course, made by Perugina. The capital of Umbria Perugia is surrounded by a countryside dotted with charming medieval hilltops, towns known the world over, places such as Sisi, Gubbio and Orvieto, are all must-see towns and villages of rare beauty and ancient culture. But let's talk about the most important museum in Perugia, which is the Umbria National Gallery, which is rich in Middle Age and Renaissance masterpieces by several artists. You will hear me mentioning several painters of the Italian early Renaissance, so you are really, really, really warmly addressed to the specific Pinterest board that I have designed exclusively for you. And the address to the Pinterest board is in the presentation of this episode of the Chocolate Podcast. In this way, checking out the Pinterest board, you will be able to complete your experience through this episode and you will fulfill your um, uh, 
learning about Italian culture by simply watching at the wonderful masterpieces of the old masters. The National Gallery of Umbria is housed in the upper floors of the Palazzo dei Priori in Perugia, home of the Comune or municipality since the Middle Ages and a significant example of Gothic civic architecture. You have to know that in all historical centers of medieval towns, there is a main square where you can find simultaneously the cathedral, which is the symbol of the religious power, together with a palace where the social power took place and where the meetings for the government of the city were held. The museum's foundation was linked directly to the Academy of Fine Arts, originally the Academy of Drawing, and benefited from a major stimulus after Italy's unification in 1861, after the suppression of religious orders and corporations. This is why the church owned most of the cultural heritage and paintings which were, of course, kept in churches and religious museums. And after the suppression of religious orders, everything was more free and they were able to arrange differently the um, exhibition of art. The museum was separated from the academy in 1863 to become the civic painting collection and was named after one of the city's greatest artistic sons, Pietro Vannucci, known as Perugino. Ten years later, the entire collection was moved to the Palazzo dei Priori, where you can still find it. In 1918, the collection was taken over by the state and given the name of the Royal Vannucci Gallery, before, in due course, being renamed the National Gallery of Umbria. Over the years, the entire complex of Palazzo dei Priori has been subjected to remodeling and functional modification works on several occasions. You can look at the collections of painting which are arranged in chronological order. You can find important medieval and renaissance works by such artists as Arnolfo di Cambio, Nicola and Giovanni Pisano, Duccio, Gentile da Fabriano, Beato Angelico, Benozzo Gozzoli and Piero della Francesca. I'm aware that I'm talking to you about artists that you may not know because I perfectly understand that you are all used to Michelangelo, Leonardo da Vinci and Raffaello, but you have to realize that such great artists were linked to a previous tradition and the names that I mentioned before, such as Piero della Francesca, Benozzo Gozzoli and Beato Angelico, are really the immediate precursors of the real and more famous Renaissance art. So I really forward you to see the Pinterest board that I built because you will find many many art pieces by these artists and you will realize that Leonardo da Vinci and all the others were perfectly aware that the fundamentals of the 
Renaissance movement were put into practice by these previous artists. For example, the Perugino, who was born Pietro Vannucci, was an Italian Renaissance painter of the Umbrian school who developed some of the qualities that found classic expression in the high Renaissance because Raphael was his most famous pupil. Pietro Perugino most likely began studying painting in local workshops in Perugia. The date of the first Florentine sojour is unknown, but according to the scholars, he was apprenticed to the workshop of Andrea del Verrocchio alongside Leonardo da Vinci, Domenico Ghirlandaio and others. Pietro della Francesca is thought to have taught him perspective form. In 1472 he must have completed his apprenticeship since he was enrolled as a master in the confraternity of St. Luke. Pietro, although very talented, was not extremely enthusiastic about his work. Perugino was one of the earliest Italian practitioners of oil painting. Some of his early works were extensive frescoes for convents. He produced also many cartoons for frescoes of other people. Perugino returned from Florence to Perugia, where his Florentine training showed in the adoration of the Magi for the Church of Santa Maria dei Servi in Perugia. He afterwards was called to Rome by the Pope to paint fresco panels for the Sistine Chapel walls. Another important Renaissance painter called Pinturicchio accompanied Perugino to Rome and was made his partner, receiving a third of the profits. The Sistine frescoes were the major high Renaissance commissions in Rome for the Perugino, but these works were later destroyed to make a space for Michelangelo's last judgment in the Sistina Chapel that you, of course, know very well. Between 1486 and 1499, Perugino worked mostly in Florence, making one journey to Rome and several to Perugia, where he may have maintained a second studio. It is probable that Raphael, who imbued towards 1496, had been placed by his uncles under the tuition of Perugino. Perugino was made one of the priors of Perugia in 1501. On one occasion Michelangelo told Perugino to his face that he was a bungler in art. Vannucci brought an action for defamation of character, but unsuccessfully. But we all know that Michelangelo was quite rude don't we? And Perugino was, of course, defeated by his own pupil, Raphael, because Pope Julius II had summoned Perugino to paint the stanza of the Incendio del Borgo in the Vatican City, but he soon preferred the younger competitor, Raphael, who had been trained by Perugino. All the figures of the Renaissance and the Renaissance painters are all linked by the experience and the um, simultaneous presence in Rome, Florence, because as we will be able to discover in the following episodes, Rome and Florence were where the Medici family and the church were able to invest their money to celebrate art and art was a mean to celebrate their power and their affirmation of, on the society. 
That's all for this special edition of the podcast celebrating Easter. Don't forget to visit that specific board dedicated to the places that I've mentioned in this episode and dedicated to the masterpieces of Pietro Vannucci. The board is now public and you can find the link in the description of the episode. If you want to collaborate with the Chocolate Podcast, please contact me, Elisa Colangeli, through my website or via social media on Facebook, LinkedIn and Instagram. Just have to say goodbye to all of you and keep in touch until the next episode of the Chocolate Art Podcast, the podcast about Italy. I hope I was able to bring you some joy in these Easter days. Bye bye. Thank you.